understand Revelation talking about what is Revelation talking about? A beast, right? And then Paul talks about a man of lawlessness. And this man of lawlessness did what? He did something terrible in the temple, right? And we're trying to figure out who this man of lawlessness is, when he was, where he is. Is he here? Is he born yet? And what temple is he defiling, right? Because we don't even know where the temple is. Where is the temple? Jerusalem. Is it in Jerusalem? Again, right? If I took us all on a trip to Jerusalem right now, and I said, let's go find the temple, and we go to the place where the temple should be, what are we going to see? Is it nothing? Nothing? All right, well, maybe we need to think about it more. So where we ended up last week was about this Hellenistic empire, right? Yeah. Remember, um, we talked about my, my dad. name was Philip, right? Philip had a son. What was his son's name? Samuel. No, not Samuel. Philip's son's name was? Not Sajir. The Philip of Macedon, the ancient king of Macedon. Alexander. Philip. His son was Alexander, right? <laughs> Alexander. Sorry. Good. Good job. <laughs> Alexander. And he was so Alexanderish, they called him the Great, right? He was great. He was Alexander the Great, like Benji the Great. No? Or Ray the Great. No one say no one says Ray the Great or Benji the Great or Josiah the Great. Why not? What did Alexander do that was so great? He divided all the... Huh? He divided all the... Well, you know, human beings are all bloodthirsty animals. So the people that we praise a lot are other bloodthirsty animals. So what was Alexander good at? Killing people, right? So he conquered another nation. He conquered the Persians and he created this humongous empire that went all the way from Macedon to India, right? This whole humongous thing. And he called himself the Great. And it's important because Paul talks about in the fullness of time, Jesus came to this world. Alexander did something important even beyond um, taking over the place. What language did Alexander speak? Malayalam. Malayalam. No. What language did he speak? Spanish. Greek. Why is that important? Why is it important that Alexander spoke Greek? What book do we read every day in church? Bible. The Bible. The New Testament is written in what language? English. English. <laughs> no. <laughs> English wasn't even around. You know, the, the English were in like Stone Age. They were like building. No, it wasn't English. It was Greek. Right? They spoke Greek. All of the educated people in that part of the empire, the Roman Empire in the eastern part, spoke Greek. Paul spoke Greek. Why? Because of Alexander. This empire could spread Greek culture throughout the eastern part of the empire. So they all, the, all the educated, um, wealthy, literate people spoke Greek. And wrote in Greek. What did our Jesus speak in? Hebrew? No, not really. Aramaic. Not Malayalam either, so... You guys are English. <laughs> English. 
So Alexander created this empire, right? And like we talked about, his empire didn't last very long. He died. His empire got split to four different kingdoms. And one of the areas was taken over um, by, in Syria, was taken over by a line of empires, emperors and kings. And one of them was important. His name is Antiochus IV. Epiphanes. And Hanukkah. Why, why am I talking about Hanukkah here? Like, what is going on with Hanukkah? Hanukkah is a Christmas celebration. Is it a Christmas celebration? Yeah. I think we're getting our celebrations confused. What's yeah, it's a, it's a Christmas celebration. Is it a Christian, Christmas celebration? Yes, yes, yes. I know. Some people celebrate instead of Christmas. Yeah, okay. Benji is getting closer. Some people celebrate it instead of Christmas. What people do this? That's on the podcast right now. So, uh, so, no, not Mexicans. They were Jews. They were Jews, right? Obviously, they were Jews. So the Jews celebrate Hanukkah around the same time we celebrate what? Christmas. And why is that important? So Daniel 11:31. This is coming to a point. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31 to 32, right? His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. This abomination that causes desolation, you see it in different parts of the Bible in different areas, and it's super important to our story. What is this abomination that causes desolation? Sounds frightening. Abomination. That caused desolation. All right, Antichrist. But if you read these verses in this in Daniel, it's dealing. Daniel is a complicated, difficult book. But one sense is Daniel is also predicting the exact events that would happen in the second century. It's weird. Because this Greek king, Antiochus IV, right, he's one of the descendants of the generals that took over after Alexander the Great. His thing was, he didn't like Jewish culture, and he didn't like what their traditions were, and he said, you guys all need to be American. No, he said you need to be Greek, right? You need to follow Greek culture. You need to do Greek language. You need to worship Greek gods. And so this Yahweh you guys are talking about, forget him. You guys need to worship our Greek gods. So what did Antiochus do? He was a very evil guy. He's one of the Antichrists, I think, kind of like, there's a lot of types of Antichrists. There are people who come in and do terrible things. So what he did is he went into the temple in the most holy place, and he sacrificed a pig to Zeus in the most holy place. Can you imagine? Right? <laughs> That's why it's called the abomination that causes desolation, right? In God's house, in the most holy place, this guy did that. Because he wanted the Jews to become Greeks. He wanted them to disappear as a people. And you think about it, right? Like, do you, does anyone ever talk about the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Edomites anymore? Have you heard of them? Have you found an Ammonite when you go to the airport? No. Why not? 
They just, it's not that they were all murdered, right? They just dissolved away. They all just kind of melted away. But we still talk about this ancient people known as the Jews. They still exist because they didn't melt away, right? So what happened with Hanukkah is this, the Jews at that time, this is like 200 years, like 150 years before Jesus was born. This is not in the Bible because it's in that middle period, right? So 150 years, 160 years before Jesus died, sorry, Jesus was born, and about 200 or 300 years after Daniel was writing, Daniel's predicting this exactly right. So the people resisted this, this king. They rose up against him. The fancy word that people use for them is the Maccabees. You guys remember the Maccabees of old? The sons of Hammer. Like they, were, they were so angry, they all rebelled against him, and they defeated him. And they, and they destroyed, the, they took, it, took him out, and they formed an independent kingdom. For the first time in a while, because you know, they were under the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks, for the first time in a long time, the Jews had their own nation. And to celebrate, they decided to do what? Re Getting it. They decided to rededicate the temple. A temple is so important in this whole story. They decided to rededicate the temple. So they only had enough oil for one night. But, how long did that oil last? It lasted eight days, right? And that's why you get the eight days of Hanukkah, right? So that, and Jesus, even in the New Testament, talks about the, they had the festival of the dedication. You read that in John? That's actually referring to Hanukkah. So they, they were celebrating Hanukkah even until Jesus' time. But the, all of Hanukkah and all that is about is this time period with this guy, Antiochus IV. This evil guy that they had a temporary victory over. But unfortunately, for the Jews, it's tough being this little nation surrounded by all these wicked nations, right? What happened there? Did their independent kingdom last very long? Yeah. What happened to their independent kingdom? Some other guy came in and took over and beat them up. Who was this new kingdom? Roman no, Byzantine. But we'll talk about the Byzantines. So the Romans, right? The Romans. Where, where is Rome? Italy, right? It's the country that looks like a boot that's kicking Sicily. The Romans took over. They sided with one guy in Israel, um, and he helped them out, and he was actually Edomite. This guy would also have a break attached to his last name. But him and I think his father sided with the women's side because there was a battle between Rome and Persia. This one guy and his family sided with the winning team. Whose family was this? You guys will all love him. Herod the Great. So Herod got his power, his kingdom, by siding with who? The winning team. And so they, that's how we get Herod the Great. So Herod the Great, the Great was declared the king of the Jews by the Roman. By the Romans, said, not by the Jews, right? But some foreign kingdom, thousands of miles away, the Roman Senate declared him the king of the Jews. And so Jesus was born in 4 BC, and we know that story. So what happens? Jesus is speaking at the Temple Mount, and 
he's speaking there, and all the disciples come up to Jesus, and they're like, oh, do you see this great temple? Because we, we read about the temple was destroyed by the guy whose name sounds like a sneeze. What's his name? Nebuchadnezzar, right? And then Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple. They went into Persia. Then Cyrus let the people go back. They rebuilt the temple. By the time you get to Herod's day, Herod did a great renovation to the temple. I think I have a picture of that. Um, I might not. But I've seen that place before. But they renovated the temple. And Jesus says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its building. And Jesus says what? Do you see all of these things? He asked them, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Everyone will be thrown down. The tough thing Jesus said right there. Right? And but then the prediction again, 24, verse 15. What does Jesus say? So that when you see in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, this thing keeps on coming up again, right? The abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. So Daniel was talking about something that happened in his, or 200 years after him. Now Jesus is talking about something that's going to happen about 30 years after his death and resurrection. He's predicting what? An abomination that causes desolation. So what happened here? The Romans destroyed the temple in AD 70, and the people, in part because this one guy, have you, have you, got, have you guys ever heard of Caligula? No. Have you heard of, like, what is Caligula famous for? Not a good guy, right? He's another one of these terrible people throughout history, right? There's just a lot of bad so Caligula was this guy who thought he was, he was slightly insane, which is who you would pick as your emperor, obviously, right? So like a completely crazy guy decided that he wanted to chop off all the faces of all the gods and put his face there because obviously a complete insane person would be God, right? And so he, he decided that he wanted to put an image of himself in the temple. Um, I don't know if he was so successful at doing that because he just died, but... Again, the Jewish people, it's kind of a repetitive story. The Jewish people rebelled against their empire. They rebelled against the Romans. Did they win? No. Yes, yes. Did they win? No. How many people say the Jews won that war in yeah. 870? No. Probably not, right? Because what Jesus predicted, <laughs> and also, if you look at the picture, it doesn't look so good, right? They, they kind of destroyed it. And this is like actually like their victory arch where they're carrying things out of the temple. And all that's left, if you go to Jerusalem today, is this thing. What do they call it? The temple. They call it the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, right? And so people go there to cry. Why? Because that's all that's left, right? And they even go up to it, and wherever there's like little crevices and, and holes in the wall, they'll put what? Do you have They'll put paper in for their prayers, right? But that's literally all that's left. So, if we go to Jerusalem today, what are we going to find? Can I? Not working? The Western Wall. The Western Wall. We're not going to find, unfortunately, the tomb. So... After all of that happened, 
eventually, in the 7th century, this is going to get somewhere, in the 7th century, what happened? So there were several hundred years after that where the Roman Empire kind of disintegrated and was pretty weak, and then there was a Persian Empire that was pretty weak. But in the 7th century AD, something important happened. Can you take a wild guess? What was this thing that happened? The Crusaders. Huh? Not the Crusaders. The Crusaders were later. In 7th century, what happened? Muslim rule. Muslim Who was there in the 7th century? Jesus! In, Arab, in, the, in the Arab world. Does it say on the screen? You, you guys should have learned this in history. Who was there in the 7th century, Josiah? In the, in the Arab world? The Ottoman Empire. No, that you're looking at future slides. The Ottoman Empire! <laughs> what is the most overused name, first name, in the entire world today? Mohammed, right? <laughs> Mohammed, right? So he was born in the 7th century, about 600 years after Jesus, right? And he and his people, he believed, right? What happened? He went to some cave. He was, uh, hey, you're going to follow me. He went to a cave, and he believed he had what? A vision, right? He had a vision uh, that he thought was from an angel. And he started this whole new religion, and they were pretty good at Fighting, as you can tell. So they took over Mecca and Medina, and they went all the way. They had an influence in India. They went all the way to Africa. They even went into Spain. They took over part of Spain for a while. And for our story, that's important. What else did they take over? They took over Israel, right? They took over Israel, and instead of our temple... What did they build? A mosque. So now, what's been sitting there for two th for like fifteen hundred years is what? Is a mosque, right? So I guess the question I have to ask is: Okay, so that's that's what's been sitting there for this long. What is going on with our story? Why does keep on happening? Oh. <laughs> Why does this keep on happening, Steve? Like, why is God's house desecrated like this? Because they have not uh, accepted Christ. Is they have not accepted Christ? Rejected Christ. But didn't God... So Genesis 17, 7 says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and your descendants. It's an everlasting covenant. What's a covenant, guys? It's a promise. Is it, is it, why do they just say promise? Covenant is like an even bigger deal, right? It's an everlasting covenant. It's a promise that God made with his people and his descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the descendants for you. And he built this one. Well, let's see. You have a no, um, I went to her first court. You went to where? I got pictures of that. You went to Jerusalem? Mm hmm And you seen the, the mosque? Mm-hmm. In the, the Western Mosque? So you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, you know what's interesting, though? No, 
is who is Do you know what this is? What is it? Abraham and Isaac. Did you see that happen? The the story is Abraham. Abraham and Isaac. If you read the Genesis, Abraham Abraham took Isaac to the place known as Mor Moriah. And Solomon built his temple in Moriah. So isn't it ridiculous that the same place that the temple was could very well be the same spot that Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. It's an important area, guys. Not an accident, right? God had separated from his people. God had, because of Adam and Eve's sin, right? Because when you go back to Genesis 1, at the beginning, right, did they have a temple? No. Did they have a temple? No. Why did they have a temple in Genesis 1? Because the Romans destroyed it. The Romans destroyed it. <laughs> How could the Romans have destroyed it in Genesis 1? Where were the Romans in Genesis 1? What happened in Genesis 1? What happened in, what happened in Genesis, the beginning? Were there any human beings around? No! Right. So who was the first human being? Joseph. Joseph. I need to talk to your Sunday school teacher. No. Who was the first person? Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, did they go to a temple? Did they go to a temple to sacrifice? They're going to have their class after. Did they go to the temple to sacrifice animals? No. To God? No, no. They just went in the yard and brought their sacrifice. Why didn't they have to go and sacrifice at a temple, Adam and Eve? Because there was no temple at that time. Well, why didn't they have to go sacrifice at the temple? Because they had access to God, right? Why? They had access to God. Why? Because God was in the cool of the night. He would be walking over there and say, hey, Adam, how's it going? Like, just like that. Like good friends, right? Like, remember our little... Um, skit. Skit? You know, Josiah and no, um, Vidro and, and Joel. Same way, right? The, that, that kind of closeness... Yeah, but... Vidro was playing Jesus, right? That kind of closeness between human beings. But because of Adam and Eve's sin, what was the first thing that happened that day? Um, they realized they weren't wearing any... Right? And so they put on what? Clothes. They, they go to like JCPenney and... Um, no, no, they made it out of fabric or something. What kind of fabric? Leaves. Leaves? Right. Well, it wasn't very good, right? No, no. They don't get this kind of clothes itchy. It was itchy. Scratchy, scratchy, itchy. So what did God do? Because he was like, you guys got some pretty bad clothing here. Yeah. It's got some new clothing, which is like this. So what did he do? He got them new clothing, which is like this. So God went to JC. God didn't go to JC Penny. He didn't go to the store. He didn't do any of that. He, gets he didn't go he gets shopping. He got the new clothes. Where did he go to get their clothes? His house! You guys, you guys, you guys, I'm not going to give you the answer to this. Where, where did he go to get the clothes? Sheep. Uh, goats. Sheep. Goats. 
Unfortunately, Benji's right. Something had to die. Something had to die, right? Something had to be. Starts with an S. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Something had to be sacrificed because of what? The sin, right? And so God decided from that moment there was this separation between man and and God, right? There's a separation. And so the only way to bridge the separation is for something on earth to take the penalty of sin. So they started off on that day between Adam and Eve. This first thing that took the punishment of sin was this animal, right? And through his, his death, this animal's clothes became the clothes of the people, right? So then God had to figure out a way to save humanity. And so he picked one nation... And picked this guy, Abraham, to be the father of this nation, right? This one nation out of every other nation. Not us, unfortunately. God didn't pick the Abraham of the Malayalis. This one Abraham to do this. But God had a plan for us too. But God specifically had a plan for Abraham. And so Abraham, through Abraham, he said, I am establishing an everlasting covenant with you that will never, ever, ever be broken. We're going to run out of time, but it's okay. I'm going to establish a covenant with you that will never, ever be broken. And I'm going to give you a son. And then what I'm going to ask you to do with that son is what, Steve? What did they tell you? Yeah, so that's confusing, right? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, I'm going to bless you in your old age. And then I'm going to give you a son. And then I'm going to tell you to go what? Sacrifice! Confusing. But where did he tell him to go sacrifice? That's the beautiful part about this. The temple. The temple! The same place where the temple would be built thousands of years later was at Mount Moria, right? That's the same place where the temple would be is Moria, which became Solomon's temple, right? Which eventually now has the dome. It's all connected, right? What is this thing called? It's all started from God's temple. What is this one? The smallest temple on the tabernacle, right? So when they were in the wilderness, they were in the wilderness, they didn't have the materials to build a big building. They had a tabernacle here. That goes all forward to this first Samuel chapter four, verse twenty-one. If you have the Bible, maybe you can even go there. First Samuel four, verse twenty-one. Okay, yeah, you guys And done. she named the child Joseph. Ichabod. Go, go, go. Saying, the glory is departed. Departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken in because of her father in law, her husband. Husband. What is this ark? That we're talking about? Um, the temple. Is it the temple? No. No. The Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat of God, where the blood is sprinkled, right? This Ark was, because of the sins of the people, they were defeated by the Philistines. Their Ark was lost for a time period. And then you read in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18. 
Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. I, I encourage you guys to read this. It's very, very interesting. When I watch, so Ezekiel is having this vision of the glory of the Lord. It's a scary thing, right? Imagine, right? The glory of the Lord is there in the temple. And then the glory departs. God's glory is out of the temple. Where is God's protection? The protection is gone from the temple. So are we surprised that God's temple gets destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed again and rebuilt, right? The glory of the temple, the glory of God has departed from, from that temple. And so if we can go forward. Thanks. Next one. So how do we understand this in going forward with respect to this? Where, where is God's plan with Israel now if God's temple in Israel is destroyed? And so some people will go to Romans chapter 11, verse 25. If you guys can go there. It might be hard for you to read it from there. Can you get to Romans 11, 25? Okay. Ignorant, Ignorant of this, this mass mass. mystery. Mystery. Mm. Mystery. Least should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness is part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be coming. Go back. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So, one argument is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. So one answer to my long question, where is the temple, guys? Is it in Jerusalem? Yeah. And you'll say, well, no. But well, where is the temple, guys? Where is the temple? It's right here. It's right here in Carrollton, Texas, of all places. The temple of God is here. Why? Because know ye not that your body and your body and your body is what? A temple of the living God. Right? So you're telling me that God is only right here. Like... Not in IPC heaven, not in... But what do you think? Is God only in Carolina, Texas, in this spot right now? That's what you're telling me, you know. What? Uh, I have a question. Okay. Uh, uh, if there's uh, right here a bunch of churches, how do, how do we worship one God all together, 2,500 people? 2,500 people. I'm, I, could you elaborate your question? I'm not, I'm not quite understanding it. So what, you're saying that, how would we fit everybody in here? Yeah. No. Huh? He's asking all these churches in different places, but how is everybody able to worship God at the same time? Well, where, where, how do you think it's possible? 
Is God stuck in one spot? No, he's everywhere. He's everywhere, right? God is everywhere. Omnipresent, right? That's a big fancy word, right? Omnipresent, right? You'll find it on your SATs, and if you get this, you'll remember. Sadhu told me that omnipresent means everywhere. If someone is present everywhere, this means God is present everywhere. There's nowhere you can go that God is. God is everywhere, right? Huh? What's it, SAT? You'll find out about that. <laughs> Years from now, that's fine. So we are the temple of the living God because Jesus died for our sins. Jesus uh, paid the price for that. And so therefore, we now can go, instead of like the high priest, who could only go to the most holy place, right? Once a year, with the blood of sheep and goats with him, right? Only once a year to the most holy place to see the presence of God. We don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for our sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And therefore, God is living in us going forward. We are the temple. So then the question is, we are the temple. The church has now become Israel. Why did we waste all this time worrying about this temple and where it is in Israel? What, why do we even care about Israel then? Steve? <laughs> why do we even care? We're the temple. Why do we care about this physical temple? Why do we care about this piece of property where Abraham did something and Solomon did something? The abomination, right? Well, well I, I think I have just a simple thing here, right? God made a promise to Israel. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant, right? Romans 11.29. What does it say? Paul is saying, For God's gift and his calling is irrevocable. Irrevocable. What is irrevocable? That's another SAT word. Irrevocable. What does it mean? It's like I give Benji a gift. Like a really good gift. Like what do you like, Benji? What's like the best gift? I give you the best race car in the world. But then you do something that annoys me afterwards. And I do what? Take it away. I take it back. Is that revocable or is it irrevocable? Irrevocable. That's revocable. But we will have to continue this next time. But that's the thing, right? So he's saying a, an irrevocable gift is a gift you cannot take back, right? So God made a gift to Israel. Even with Jesus, even with letting us all back into this covenant, God still has unfinished business with Israel. Right? So, that's why Paul is saying, he's talking about his people, and he's like, they've experienced a hardening. Why? Because they haven't accepted who yet? They haven't accepted Jesus yet. They're still, they're still they've had a hardening until the full number of the Gentiles. That's an important point, which we'll talk about next time. But he's saying... Very clearly, and in this way, I should underline this, all Israel will be saved. All of Israel will be saved. So there is a coming 
It hasn't happened yet. There's a coming redemption of all of Israel at a point in the future. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. And that is my covenant with you when I take away their sins. 